Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes, completely eradicating, not just reducing, completely eradicating. I believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for Mondays, not Fridays and get to do their most meaningful work. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices, which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves, and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action, as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Manish is the CEO and founder at Azwaya, a partner at SAP Energy, and is passionate about technology, professional services, and renewable energy. In the interview, Manish shared the secrets behind his calm and balanced answers to my questions. We also talk about why there is no one right or wrong way to be a leader or an entrepreneur, and unpack some of the unconventional choices that he had made. He also shared his vision for the future as he looks to take his organization to the next level of growth. Hi, Manish. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Hi, Sumit. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. And to begin with, can you share who you are and what do you do? Awesome. So I'm Manish Mudha, of course, and I'm a founder at Advaya Solutions. So we are a Microsoft-focused applications and analytics company. And we have we have presence in US and in India, and we serve clients, mostly enterprise clients across US and India, and also in uh, also in Middle East. So, and our focus is on providing cutting edge technology implementation. So, how can organizations leap to the next generation or to the latest of technology? Apart from that, I am also interested, and I am working on in the field of renewable energy wherein we uh, we have deployed solar-based power plants and uh, and also wind-based power plants. So that's kind of what on my business side. I yeah, have. yeah. So are these two two separate companies that you're talking about? Yes, yes. So the other company is called SAP Energy, uh, and that's focused primarily on renewable power. Absolutely. So before before we come to that, can you share a little bit of your backstory, right? How did your background led to where you are today? Of course. So I am a chartered accountant uh, by training. And one of the first jobs that I got was an accounting area. And that was with an engineering consulting organization in Bangalore. And as you can imagine, you are a misfit in Bangalore if you're an accountant. You know, all my roommates, all my friends, they were all in technology. 
while I was always interested in technology, but somehow I chose to be a chartered accountant. Uh, then that was the time where quite a lot of work was being done in terms of providing services to US-based clients. And that's something that I got interested in. And as a, but then I was, as I was learning all of that, uh, having conversations with different people, I got in the opportunity to work with ACI Bank in IT security. So from accounting to security, I could make a jump and that gave me a first and experience and first-hand exposure of enterprise technology de uh, deployments. Uh, that, that and also my desire to get back to my hometown, that's in uh, Udaipur in Rajasthan. So I moved from Bangalore to Mumbai in ICICI Bank and then, uh, then came to Udaipur and that's where I started to work on some, uh, some services based on some of the experiences that I had had in the audit and project management and so on. And that was the genesis of how this company got formed. Then my brother joined in, he worked in US and that's where we started to look for clients in US and that's where the whole journey took off. We got into touch with Microsoft. We worked for Microsoft quite a bit. In fact, for a considerable part of our company's life, Microsoft was kind of the client. I mean, our 95% business came from Microsoft. We helped Microsoft help enterprises adopt technology. So that's the, well, that's, that allowed us to get into enterprise side of technology, look at how technology adoption can happen, what kind of challenges could be there. And that got us into a full-fledged consulting and implementation services. That's what we do today. Thank you. In the meanwhile, you know, with the, since uh, some of the interest areas included energy power plants, as I said, and one of the, my first jobs was in an engineering consulting. My family, my father has background in engineering and power production, power generation. So I was interested in that, got opportunity to work on solar power and so on. So we started doing that as well. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think I loved uh, two parts of it. One is like being in and being in Udaipur. And I have studied four years in, in Jaipur. So I'm kind okay. of uh, like familiar with uh, with the culture and with uh, everything that goes with uh, like the heritage of Rajasthan. And the second thing th that you mentioned was like starting as a chartered accountant and then uh, jumping in not just into technology, but also into entrepreneurship, right? And then it's beginning to like starting your company from Udaipur and like not from like Bangalore or Delhi or Mumbai or any of these big cities, right? So to understand how was that journey like for you? Like, because like moving away from what you had studied, like maybe a chartered accountant uh, to doing something totally different and then also doing it in a, like in, in your native place, how was that? What benefits that it gave you, but also what challenges that it present? And then how did you dealt with it? How did you grow and learn from it? So as a chartered accountant, you definitely get exposure to how enterprises use technology, especially in the business processes and the overall uh, enterprise resource planning and that kind of an area. But then at the same time, I have been interested in technology from uh, since I was a uh, you know maybe 11, 12 old kid and learned uh, programming, learned computers and all that as it was a new shiny tool, a toy at that time, in fact. And we did all of that as a... Uh, as a chartered accountant, one of the things that you learn to do is being a consultant, you know, getting into practice is kind of a standard path a CPA or a CA would, would take. 
And that was how I started as an entrepreneur. We started our own uh, consulting and audit firm. And starting in Udaipur was something that happened in the sense that I lived in Bombay. I really didn't like the fact that it was quite difficult uh, in, in terms of finding time for yourself or doing something more if you are. It, it was tiring, I would say. That was the time Mumbai, as it is today, was kind of getting built up. So there was a lot of construction going on, traffic jams and all of that. Now, this sounds a little bit of a very weak reason, but then when uh, you know you want to get to your hometown and seek opportunity, if that's possible in any ways and any small reason suffices to make that happen. So that's how I got to started to work as a chartered accountant. Fortunately or unfortunately, I didn't really end up with a lot of clients. I could not really grow the practice. And that's where I sought and found some clients who were interested in learning some project management. How do you do it on uh, through a software or through an automation and you know, all of that? So I got into project management, the training and consulting, which led to opportunities in actually working on some of the automation pieces, some of the project management deployment pieces. And that led me to build that kind of a practice and that's where and uh, of course it, it, all this while there was my brother is an engineer from IIT and uh, he was working with technology he was working with consulting organizations. so I got a lot of insights from him he supported he helped he provided guidance in terms of how do you really do it what is the kind of services so on so that that started to happen, and uh, of course, you use whatever connects, whatever context, whatever so whatever that I could get from you know my father's professional experience, my earlier professional experience, and it kind of helped in an overall way. Learn so that's how I got into technology. That's how I got into doing technology consulting. That's how I got into the enterprise side of technology because project management, enterprise project management. As the field is, is something that, at least at that time, only large companies could really afford and work on. And uh, that, since I, I was kind of working on Microsoft technologies at that time for the project management aspect, we got to become a Microsoft partner, one of the first Microsoft project partners in India. And uh, as we did that, we got into touch with Microsoft, we got into touch with other partners, and that kind of led to a realization that we can help companies like Microsoft market their products better to enterprises. Because as engineering companies, Microsoft, they are deeply rooted in technology. They, uh, their way of approaching to an enterprise was in terms of features and functions and technology specifications and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, we could bring in another perspective where we could not, we could actually talk about how it relates to the business, what would be the kind of benefits that it could have. And that kind of a bridging of technology and business was something that was a value that we could add and uh, that allowed us to provide those kind of services even to Microsoft and to other companies as well. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I think there's some, uh, you said it so humbly and so simply but I want to bring out, I think, a few nuggets of like wisdom which uh, which I could take out from what you shared. Like one is like even though you started uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, 
you had that, like you had your brother, so you had that guidance or you had that team and in front of you, right? And also, uh, I think another thing which I could listen was that there is no one right and wrong way of doing a company or starting a business. Uh, and then what you are doing, and the example you shared with Bombay, right? A lot of people would say that start in a big city, that's where you get employees, customers, everything. But I think uh, your example shows that there is no one right and wrong way when it comes to entrepreneurship. That That is one I would want to add there. Uh, when you are at that age, you know, 26, 27, and there are, there are lots of options in terms of you could actually choose a job, you choose a company to work with, where with once you leave your hometown, the world is your uh, territory. I mean, you can go anywhere and work. And the, the what is called as option paralysis, or you can actually get numbed by the amount of options that, that you want. So one of uh, my guys, I mean, they, you know, in chartered accountancy, you have to work under another chartered accountant in article share. So my principal or my boss, as we say, he used to say one thing that you have to anchor somewhere. You have to choose a few things which are kind of fixed, non-negotiable. And other things will then fall around that. And one of those important things is where do you live? So that would guide a whole lot of things. What kind of lifestyle, what kind of business, what kind of team, what kind of family, what kind of uh, mindset, what kind of lifestyle, everything follows from that. And that it is, there's no right or wrong choices there, but then you have to make a choice and stick to it. If I lived in Bombay or in Bangalore, I could move to Delhi, I could move to Hyderabad. I mean, it's, it, it was. So Udaipur allowed me to make that choice and fix fix at least that part. So those were that kind of streamlining the process of other decisions, I guess. Absolutely. I think that's a wonderful uh, like metaphor to use to find one anchor and then you can innovate or experiment in other areas. Right. So now, having said that, right, given where you are today, now two companies, uh, can you share a little bit about the future? What is your vision? And then what challenges does it present, right? Running two companies, taking them forward. How do you deal with that? So to be sure, one of the things that you learn working in, at least in India, most entrepreneurs and especially the traditional entrepreneurs, looking at of the vintage of, uh, let's say, my generation or previous to, previous to that generation, they have had this tendency to venture into multiple, build a portfolio of businesses. And that's something that you would find in most of the business houses, so as to say. So one, I did, it, it came naturally. And then that you are, we aren't, uh, we're a completely bootstrapped business. Nothing, uh, there is no external investor in that sense who would kind of impose that kind of uh, focus or nothing. And that, so running or building two businesses or more businesses is not something that kind of looked very special or different. It just it, it just happens. The other thing is, uh, in my primary interest remains technology. My primary interest remains Atwaya, which is which is the kind of core interest area that I have. The other business is supported by our partners, our, our people, and it's more of a business where much of the effort goes into establishing something. So whenever we expand our capacity, you know, put in a few more megawatts, that's where you need a lot of work to be done and everything. But then once the plant is up and running, it's, uh -huh. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't require a, a lot of tension. And the business model there is pretty 
stable. It's not something which, uh, which, which, I mean, I'm, I'm sure one can be creative and do a lot there as well, but then it's a, it's something that I can afford not to really put in mm. a lot of time. Atwa is where I, my core interest lies. And uh, our vision is to build it an institution which does not really need us as entrepreneurs at Dayton Moffitt. Uh-huh. It's a professional services business, but in professional services, the role of partners, the role of the founders is very important, generally speaking. So how do we elevate that to a level where we can provide that high quality services, that thought leadership in the areas that we, we know in a sustained, scalable uh, mm. basis. So the way it would look like, and that's our vision, is we are known as thought leaders. We attract that kind of talent, and that talent really runs it itself as a growing professional services uh, firm. And the, that's something that we are working towards. It has to grow beyond what I can bring. That's the idea. Thank you. Thank you, Manish, for sharing that vision. And as you do that, right, both in the outside industry, you establish yourself as a thought leader, but also within your organization, as you said, to maybe separate out a little bit and then have people take the organization to the next level. What challenges does that present for you or your founding team? So it's a, they, one of the things that I have realized is that you can construct a business model in multiple ways. The big services business uh, in general is based on a very sales oriented, very much of a people practice kind of a thing where you augment the clients in a particular way. We chose to grow and build it as a professional services model where we retain certain expertise and we provide the benefit of those expertise to our clients. Now, the challenge there is to continue to build, grow and refresh that expertise because we are in a dynamic field. So that means we have to have the right set of people who have the same kind of a growth mindset who have the same kind of a mindset to really build that expertise in themselves and provide the benefit of that expertise to others. And that is a different kind of a mindset. That's a, and finding that kind of a people who do not just think in terms of producing something, but also think in terms of building that expertise and think and building those relationships so that richer. And we have been fortunate, of course, that uh, we have a great team who understands that and who realizes that? But then finding those kind of people and uh, uh, identifying those kind of people who really get that uh, idea of professional services has always been a challenge. And I do not yet have a formula for that. We have made a lot of mistakes. I'm sure we would make a lot of mistakes as in, in future as well, but then hopefully not the same mistakes. And that's what I, that's what is one of the things as I talked about the vision there. The idea is to really figure out that formula, if, mm. if, if, if at all. We haven't been able to do that yet, but then hopefully we have uh, we have learned a lot and that would happen. So finding the right kind of people who have that professional services mindset yeah. is very important. It's not just about expertise. You know, you can look for a technical expertise and you can find that technical expertise, but having that kind of a, a professional services growth mindset is very difficult. And especially as you try to find people who would lead those practices, who would lead mm-hmm. those streams, who would lead those uh, teams. Yes, yes. 
Thank you for sharing that. I think I, I work with a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, and I think what you're describing is uh, is also a stage, right? Where you where come to a stage where you need more leaders around you, not just followers. Where you need people, as you said, right? Who are not only experts, but they can also lead it without your inputs uh, at all times. You can take the organization to the next level and basically do what you have been doing so far. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, but as you also shared, um, that process involves learning and failing and trying things out. And any entrepreneur's journey involves uh, like dealing with setbacks. So how do you manage? How do you manage pressure? How do you manage, uh, like how do you get back up after when you try out something, it doesn't work out or you say that this is a mistake? How do you manage that for yourself? So uh, I guess so this is something that an entrepreneur learns naturally. And uh, naturally, in this sense, he has to learn, or he has to learn, uh, learn that. There are so many setbacks that happen that you really have to toughen up and you really have to know that's, that's just a stage. That's just, just an event in a longer, longer journey. So we have had uh, setbacks of the, you know, of the team variety where we invested a lot in certain kind of, a certain set of people, certain practices that would not take off. Those people could not really find their feet in the in the right way. We, or we started a particular practice area, a particular expertise area, and we could not really find market for that. So all of those things have happened. As they happen, the impact of first few of such setbacks is way larger on your mind. Slowly you realize that things go on. They, the things have a way of taking care of uh, of themselves. And we just have to ensure that we learn the right things and continue to persist and do that. I mean, one of the things that as, as our team, uh, as our leadership team, as people try to really do is if we have failed, if there is a setback, uh, we try to and try to do after, you know, if there is an initial kind of an emotional reaction, that's fine. But then how do we uh, avoid any blame, any criticism, any uh, accusation, and but then really get into the analysis in terms of, okay, let's go back and see what would have been done differently and then see if those were real options so that we learn, we learn that. So if we fix something, we fix a mistake, we fix it forever. That's uh -huh. the idea. And once you realize that's an option, once you realize, oh, yes, you won't do the same thing again. Hey, I hired this, this person, we spent a lot of uh, money with that practice, and then all of that happened. Now I won't actually do that. So I, I, the, the, it's a earning for future. Hmm. And then as you tell yourself that we can do it, uh, do it better. And of course, there's an aspect of really um, accepting the initial natural response to a setback. That would also happen. One would feel bad, one would feel down for some time, and that's okay as well. That's you know, One cannot really beat oneself down on how your initial response is. But then once you get a little thoughtful about it, we should really yeah. make it better. Yeah, thank you. I think I love the long-term aspect of it, right? Once... Uh, like both in the beginning, that once you see the long-term aspect, you don't see the immediate setback at a big as a big thing as just uh, one of many series of like as well as negatives which will happen. And so that loses its weight. But then I also love that once you realize what is the issue or what is the problem, 
And when you implement a solution, you also not like just patch something up. Uh, you try to do it in a way that can uh, like serve the organization for the long term as well. And I think many entrepreneurs continue to be stuck in that short term mindset and they end up uh, doing the or repeating the same mistakes or repeating the same solutions over and over again. So I, I love that aspect of it. And I think that's a, that's a wonderful skill or a, or a mindset, as you said. Thank you for sharing that. And as a business, uh, our desire is to scale. Our, our goal is to scale and we have been able to scale to a certain extent. And unless you really fix something forever, you cannot scale. Scaling mm -hmm. is inherently that you do something, if you find a change, and you make it that change for the entirety. Yeah. Wonderful. And uh, right before we wrap up, can you share something about yourself which most people are not aware of? I'm not sure if what most people would be aware of and, and not. And, but then I do love reading a lot of uh, things which are of fundamental nature. When I say fundamental nature, aspects of physics, philosophy, or basic sciences, they have a quite a calming effect on that. You know, you are, as Carl Sagan used to say, we are a little pale blue dot. When we are, we are such a small entity in the current, that has a calming effect. And I do enjoy listening to music. I am a aspiring audiophile, so I have to say, I have spent a lot of time and money in tinkering and building equipment for getting a good sound of music, so for us to say. And that's not something that many people appreciate, so I don't think many people would be interested in, so many people might not be knowing. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, I think one of the reasons I asked this question is to like, bring that side of your personality that is most often not talk, spoken about or discussed when you are like working at work. Uh, and at the same time, now I know the secret, right? Because the way you are responding to my questions, it shows that groundedness or right the calming effect that you mentioned, right? So you're not just jumping in with the first thought, you're thinking something through and then articulating an answer from like from years of learnings of uh, not just your entrepreneurship, but also what you have read and learned and grasped, right? So I think, and that I'm sure plays a role in every meeting, every conversation that you have at work also. So I think, um, yeah, I'm glad that you shared this and I think everybody who listens to it will also appreciate knowing that part of you. I think if I am able to do that and it is something that you can see, I'm glad that that has happened. And thank you. Thanks for pointing that out. If it's there, good for me. Yeah, absolutely, Manish. So before we end, is there any place where people can reach out to or if somebody wants to find out more about your work, what is the best way for them to do? I try and write quite a bit about technology primarily and also about some of the things which, which interest me. So I do maintain a small blog, not very regularly updated, but then I do get the opportunity to write in tech publications, business publications, and uh, and those. So I do that quite quite a bit. That's of course one of the areas where I, I am reachable through my LinkedIn page. I really have not been able to keep up with Twitter and Instagram. They are they require a lot of attention, which. I might not have at times, but then LinkedIn is a great way of connecting. I do I do respond to requests on the uh, LinkedIn, the messages on LinkedIn, uh, in a pretty regular manner. Thank you.
Thank you, Manish, for sharing that and for everything that you're doing. And I want to wish you all the best with uh, with a couple of companies that you have and also like with, the, with your passion for music, for being an audiophile in the future that you share. And uh, yeah, I want to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead. Thank you. Thank you. It has been great conversing with you. Uh, and I really appreciate your patient listening to whatever I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Manish. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.